All right, we are officially live for an RTD Q&A uh, midday live stream, and I'm excited to have returning guests, Ms. Lynette Zhang from ITM Trading. So, Lynette, welcome back to RTD. It is very nice to be here, Mike. Thank you for having me. There's lots going on. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I appreciate you taking time to join me. And so I want to also welcome those that are tuning in. And then I want to just actually start off from where we left off the last time we spoke. And let me pull something up here on the screen. And uh, we can just start off with, with that last little topic we discussed, which happens to be about the dollar. And so I'll pull this up on the screen. And so the, the, the title of our last talk, which was back in uh, May 2018, was the purchasing power of the dollar can definitely go below zero. And then I want to start off by showing you just the purchasing power, the rise and fall of the dollar. And so here we are now. I would imagine uh, we knew this day was coming where we were going to see the dollar or Federal Reserve note being tested. But could you ever imagine it would be in this global pandemic type of environment? Or were you thinking war? Or did you ever play out scenarios of what could lead to this collapse of our reserve currency status? Well, you know, what I knew was that it was going to be some kind of black swan event that nobody could see happen. And so I did not foresee a pandemic, though, interestingly enough, um, I found some research on the lab that released the pandemic in Wuhan mm -hmm. and their connections to a lot of U.S. universities globally, yeah. globally uh, connected but also some parts of the U.S. government. And they knew that this was coming. Mm -hmm. At least yeah. that's from what I'm reading from their documentation. So, yeah. no, I didn't see it, but I think they did. Yeah. And so I was actually, uh, I think a couple of videos ago, talking about um, uh, 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 like a uh, planned event done by the Rockefellers where they gave out a, uh, it was like a conference where they gave out four scenarios of things that we were to expect starting in 2020-ish. One of them was war. One was a pandemic. The other one was some type of technology boost or something like that. And it so happens that that whole scenario played out well, including China and that pandemic situation. So that was back in 2010. So there's no telling how long this has been in the works. But uh, here we are today. So um, as always, yeah. I want to welcome those. If you have any questions, feel free to throw them in the chat and I'll try to get to them. But I have a gang of questions myself, so uh, we can just start right there. And so here we are now. Um, everyone's on lockdown, and uh, wow. un unemployment is at an all-time high. And I guess every week we'll continue on. Uh, let let's go through some, some scenarios of what do you see the end of this month looking like based upon everything that's unfolding now? Well, you know, that's such a short period of time. But, you know, the, the states, some of them are trying to reopen, and certainly some other countries are trying to reopen but we don't really even have any good testing set up yet. Mm -hmm. uh, my concern is that they're going to do that COVID-19 identity passport. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have some that have and some that have not. And uh, they've done that before in this country. It was back in the 1700s in, in New Orleans, in the South during the yellow fever pandemic. But we seem to be going more and more toward giving up our freedoms and our rights. And that's making me very uncomfortable. I have to be honest. Yeah. So, you know, it could be whether it's the end of this month or next month or, you know, however long it takes for people to agree to comply. Um, you know, that's what I see. I see being in, I see that being introduced. And the other thing that I see, although I can't tell you exactly when this is going to happen, mm -hmm. but we definitely I see universal income. 
I, I see the justification mm -hmm. to give consumers the ability to consume because that's the foundation of the economy, 70% yeah. of the economy. Yeah. So you think that those first, that first was a, that was like a week ago, two weeks ago, or just last week, I think it was the first round of stimulus, uh, however it's being labeled, that was injected into people's direct deposits. And so do you, so you're basically saying that that's what's going to be the new norm. Now, do you see that happening within the next couple of months? And if they are not able to reopen the economy and no one is able to go back to work, it'll be justifiable is basically what you're saying, huh? Oh, I'm saying it is absolutely justifiable. <laughs> and the damage done to small businesses, particularly, you know, that's that they employ small businesses employ almost half of all of the workers. Mm -hmm. So if the small businesses can't reopen uh, and people still have to feel comfortable, I mean, we don't know what new habits are going to be created and how comfortable people are even going to feel about you know, close being in close proximity to others. So yeah, a hundred percent, this is justifying going to uh, some kind of universal payment system. And a lot of people have not yet received that little $1,200 stipend that yeah. was uh, promised and unemployment, you know, which they've ratcheted up, which is kind of a form of that right now, particularly at the levels that they're paying the unemployment. I had someone tell me they're making more money on unemployment than they did when they actually had a job. Mm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's already begun. I just don't think they have renamed it yet. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the digital dollar is again being talked about in these new, more stimulus programs, which I hate that term yeah. because th they don't really stimulate anything. <laughs> Right. I mean, right. they just stimulate debt <laughs> yeah. and they push fiat markets higher. But are they really stimulating um, a global resurgence of the economy? No, no. You know, the division between the haves and have nots have gotten a lot wider since 2008 when they started all that stimulus. And the dollar, frankly, has gotten a lot weaker, regardless mm -hmm. of the lament by the central banks of the lack of inflation. Yeah. Now, watch and this. So, so since that since since that time frame there um, and the quantitative easing, the Fed's balance sheet all time high is going to continue to climb. And so uh, the Federal Reserve say they still can't seem to find that two percent based upon how they measure. We all know that's you know very flawed and, and skewed in of itself. But do you think um, because it's a global event now, every central bank is doing the same thing that they can just continue to raise and expand and monetize and, and it, it gives more life to national currencies at this current point? Well, I don't think it gives it more life because I'd say all the currencies are zombies walking. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it could for a minute or two, I mean, when things are cheap and easy to create and you're a hundred percent right, all of the global central bankers are doing, and governments, you know, in 2008, it was basically on the backs of the central banks. Now the governments too have gotten heavily involved and they're bailing everybody out. Mm -hmm. So we're already at, I think the last time I checked and, and, and presuming this is accurate. So it's a lot lower than it was, you know, a couple of years ago when we were talking in 2018, mm -hmm. but there's 3.87 cents 
out of the original dollars worth of purchasing power. So what is this huge, I mean, unlimited amount of new money that is created from debt, but still by the push of a button, yeah. what is that going to do? But ultimately send us into hyperinflation because they're the battle. What they're really fighting here is the decline in the stock market. Yeah, they're fighting against inflation. Now, now I'm curious. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I'm gonna put this graph up here one more time because I, I've since the last time we spoke, I've mentioned that based upon this graph here, I just add a little something here to it. And so it has a 2020 recession depression at the very tip. And so based upon the purchasing power of one dollar from 1913 to now, three cents, 3.7 cents, well, how exactly do you give that uh, definition? Because at this current point, a single dollar can't really purchase anything by itself because you, you need some tax on top of it. So technically it's already below the, the $1 time frame. So how, how exactly are we still going upon that 3.67 cents or a purchasing power? How is that measured? Well, it's in the confidence, right? And mm -hmm. that's, and that is what, you know, right now. So it's the confidence of the public that is enabling you to even use dollars for your day-to-day -day purchases or anything else that you want. Mm -hmm. And you might recall before this pandemic um, broke out and people became aware of it, the central banks globally were on this, you know, kind of tour. Tell us what you want from us. We're good. We want to do our job for you. And with the pandemic, it kind of, the situation was already dire mm -hmm. before we went into this and keeping in mind that by the end of next year, that LIBOR, that interest rate benchmark was going away and they have not had very good luck in getting, creating that new benchmark. Well, they've created the new benchmark, but creating the market to that benchmark, let alone having to change all those, all those contracts against it. So, you know, this makes a lot of things justifiable, but the way that I see it is when confidence is lost, that's when we enter into that hyperinflation. That's the only thing that's keeping this together. Mm. And, and you know damn well. Oh, sorry about that. No problem. You know no problem. Damn well. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but you know, if we start depositing money into people's accounts, because we sure don't want them to use paper or cash, mm -hmm. you know, it might be contaminated, then they're gonna go out and they're gonna spend it. You know, they're gonna pay their rent. Yeah. They're going to buy their food. They're going to spend those bills. And if they give them enough, maybe they'll buy a shirt, which clothing has dropped off a cliff. Yeah. And, you know, and there you go. And then we're going to have to keep doing it because everything is going to cost more and more as the hyperinflation kicks into gear. Now, do you think at this current moment, based upon um, all the statistics that were given, people don't have, you know, $400 saved up, a thousand saved up and all that stuff like that. Do you think people initially go out to actually spend because the velocity of money is still all time lows? And so can that be something that people to, to kind of build a mental cushion, save some of these st stimulus injections to where it's not spent, which could buy more time because it's, well, you know, some people yeah. I'm not sure that that will buy more time, but they've, you know, in the countries that have gone to negative rates and which is about inspiring people to borrow and spend, mm -hmm. they found actually the opposite is true. So mm -hmm. I think that it is probable that people will attempt to save something, although 
you know, depends on how much money they come in. It depends on if they lift the moratorium on rent and on mortgages. Uh, there's not a moratorium on all mortgages, just mm -hmm. government backed Freddie Mae or Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. But, you know, do I think that they're going to try and say, yeah, because now they're scared. No. And you're right. Most of the population couldn't come up with $400 in an emergency. And I'd say this was an emergency. No. Interesting. So we do have a couple questions here. Let me get back to some of these things here. Pollen up says, uh, please, Michael Dale says, please, I like to let I like to get Lynette's thoughts on annuities. My parents still think they are 100 percent safe. Well, that's a really interesting question, you know, because it is a contract and mm -hmm. under any contract runs counterparty risk. So if the insurance company is is making it through. And the reason why you hear hesitancy is because there are a lot of insurance companies and reinsurance companies. This issue is just beginning to unfold. The lawsuits are just beginning to unfold. So I don't, I can't really tell you at this point uh, how far the insurance companies are going to get, but I'd like you to keep in mind the fact that the insurance companies invest the the money that your parents deposited into that annuity mm -hmm. they invest that in what well stocks bonds private equity maybe some real estate etc and all of those fiat products are in deep deep trouble and even with all of this massive amount of liquidity that the central bank has injected in you still have the short-term uh, commercial paper market meaning money markets mm -hmm. which fund a lot of the stuff still under stress so you know your, your parents are are kind of married to it because they hear that word guarantee but they're only guaranteed if the insurance company can make it through this mess. Mm -hmm. That alone is questionable. You'd need to dig deeper into the insurance company. And not only that, but what will this annuity pay them? Hmm. Dollars in this country, you know, whatever the fiat currency is. And so it doesn't matter how many dollars you have. It matters what you can convert it into. Right. That's what impacts us. Yeah. Now, now, one of the things that concerns me about all those financial products is the fact that they're given in times or they're taken out in times when things are normal. But yet we're in a national emergency. So I'd imagine some of the fine print that may not have been read during the signing of those things probably will alleviate some of the responsibilities off those insurance companies, hedge funds, pro, you know, you know, take some of the risk off them because we are in a national emergency. So that could be another way that can hinder some payouts, you know, down the line. So absolutely. Uh, okay. There are a lot of businesses that are finding that out right now, hence mm -hmm. all the lawsuits and even some states. So that's what I said. That test mm -hmm. is just beginning. We're just at the very, very, very beginning of that. So it'll be very interesting to see how that unfolds. But you're right. The yeah. fine print. Who reads the fine print? Right. You never, especially in the, in this country, because we've been so blessed and privileged for all of our lives. We don't know anything else. But yet I think that's uh, being challenged now. And to think about everything we're talking about or everything that everyone is aware of is only 30 days old. Like this whole lockdown time frame is 30 days old. So we haven't even experienced the repercussions from, you know, the stuff that's coming. So um, right. do, do you follow or have you followed much of the different 
products out there uh, because I've gotten some emails from people that uh, have been trying to get out, but yet they've suspended redemptions of a lot of those products that they've been created that they created over the last decade um very yeah. risky very risky ask as assets as i meant, uh, might add you know will, will people continue to see those as assets as opposed to major liabilities if they can't get out well <laughs> it's hard for me to call them assets because yeah. they're simply financial engineering tools yeah that is not and they're just contracts and since people don't read the fine print as you just pointed out mm -hmm. you know uh, and any and any contract is only good as good as the counterparty and maybe some of those products that you're referring to are the ETFs mm -hmm. exchange traded funds that virtually most of them not all of them but but most of them hold virtually zero cash mm -hmm. because they don't have to do redemptions. I mean, you're buying it and selling it like it actually has value, but but they don't have to redeem. So mm -hmm. it's very easy to halt, and that's in the fine that's in the fine print. That mm -hmm. yes, they have the right to halt redemptions, and a lot of that has been happening. I think a lot more will. I mean, look what mm -hmm. just happened with USO yesterday when the oil contract, the May contract, and then the June contract, but it went to minus $37.68. And, you know, so you're going to pay somebody to take this oil, which makes no sense. There's a lot of historic firsts that are happening here. <laughs> Let's keep that in mind because, of course, this pandemic is, it's, well, it's not a historic first because we did have um, in 1918, what was that? The red fever or something yeah, like that. Flu or Spanish flu or something like that. Spanish flu, that's it. Yeah. That's it. You're right. So it's not exactly a first, but, you know, certainly with the system set up the way it is, this is a lot of first things that are happening. And what does that decline in oil tell us? Tells us we're not getting out of this mess anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Now, one thing that I think is different uh, that I, I wasn't, I'm not too sure about the whole Spanish flu time frame, but yet the fact that we are all now on this, every nation on this planet now is experiencing the same degree of difficulty at the same time. Yes. And governments are responding with the same type of measures stay in your house, protect yourself because we don't want you to get sick. We got to slow the curve. And all the while, they're trying to prop up everybody. So we have the small business loans or the PPP payment pro whatever whatever and so that first 350 apparently didn't make it to the small businesses as we were told and they're going to put out another 500 as if that's going to make it to the small businesses and so it looks like I, I would imagine every two weeks or so they're going to need another 500 or 500 saying small business now and how, how much longer do you think that can fly before you know it becomes obvious that it's, it's those such thing as protecting small businesses in, in this current environment Oh, I, you know, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think by maybe the end of September, when the, in the terms are that you have to keep people employed until the end of September, mm -hmm. they have no business. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, they're using all of that loan money that's basically going out the window. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd like to remind people that there are basically two kinds of debt. There's self-liquidating debt and there's non-self-liquidating debt. Mm -hmm. Self-liquidating debt was if they got a loan to actually, you know, expand their business 
get more customers through the door so that they were actually making more money that's sustaining. And then that they can pay those debts off. Mm -hmm. But the debts in the PPP are to go out for payroll when there's no business. And so we're going to forgive most of them. And, and I say we, because it's taxpayers money that are going there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't necessarily do it, do it, but all that is, is a stopgap measure. Mm -hmm. So they just have to keep them on the payroll till the end of September. And I think that is when it's going to become pretty apparent that we're in much bigger trouble because that's a debt that now a small business has to take on and they have no idea what money is going to be coming in the door to repay that, whatever isn't forgiven of that debt. Mm -hmm. I think it'll just make things harder, frankly. Yeah, I agree. Now at this current moment, There'll, there'll be no amount of funds, digits, paper or whatever created to try to prop this thing up or save it or whatever. And so they're going to continue to throw out the words recovery and reopen and re like just to go back. And so do you think from this point on, there's a, a new norm, a new paradigm awaiting us, no matter how long this thing goes on or if it does some recover to some some, some type of normalcy? Is this a new paradigm we're shifting into regardless? Oh, 100%, because really the old system was based upon a constantly um, rolling over debt and growing more debt. And how did they control that? But with interest rates. And we've basically had the world anchored somewhere near zero for over since 2008. Mm -hmm. So the system died back in 2008. And what they knew that they needed to do was move us into a completely new financial system. And what we're experiencing right now will absolutely justify that, but we're going to have to feel an awful lot more pain. And, you know, that's the thing that's been so jarring to me mm -hmm. is when I'm looking at what's happening, what's happening is something that always happens during monetary regime shifts. What's that? It always happens. You know, you've got a lot of depopulation and look at all the people that are dying mm -hmm. and, and the most vulnerable are those that are, you know, sick. They have some kind of pre-existing condition mm -hmm. and that's actually pretty typical. I mean, look at Venezuela as they've been through their hyperinflation. There's been a lot of depopulation. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of fear. Now I'm older than you. So I remember in the early seventies, when we went from at least a partially gold-backed system to a fully debt-based system, though I didn't understand exactly what was happening then, mm -hmm. but you had the oil embargo, you had women's lib, you had um, you had so many, you had huge inflation, 45% inflation, mm -hmm. you had an imploding stock market. You know, so there were so many things that are going on and that distracts you from what's really happening underneath. And so all of this chaos, that's what has me going, you know, was this a planned event or was this not a planned event? They certainly knew about it. They knew about it. Don't hold me to this because obviously I don't have it in front of me. But I was reading a paper from Wuhan, I think, talking about it, talking about the bats, talking about how this coronavirus morphs. 
and how the new strain is transmitted, not just from animals to humans, but from humans to humans. Mm -hmm. And I believe that was back in 2016 that they were talking about it. Really? So, you know, they were doing lots of experiments and testing that could certainly have done this, but this would easily cover up the shift into a new digital system, the digital dollar, mm -hmm. you know, where everything is held online and completely accessible to governments and central banks. Mm. And, you know, when you read their documentation about what they had planned for the shift into the new system, um, this justifies a lot of it. I mean, for governments, lifetime taxes, and you have no control because if it's digital and it goes through their system and they want their taxes, boom, they pay, you pay the taxes. And, and for, for uh, central banks, right. Or up until this point, if they institute policy, it takes 18 months of going through the system before they know whether or not they get the results that they want. If everything is digital, that's a button push. They want you to spend money. They push those interest rates negative and at a large enough level that you notice it and go, oh, well, I don't want it to just evaporate in my account. I better go buy something that's going to hold value or has more more. Uh, more likely outcome that it will hold value that I can barter with, which is what happens in hyperinflation. So, you know, yeah, I think it's ripe. I think we are going into a new normal, as you put it. Uh, and I, I hope my hope is that if enough people are aware of this, then they won't be able to get full control that we might be able to have a more fair system to the little guys because if everything is digital and then particularly if they hold, if individuals that right now have some level of equity, whether it's in their house or it's in the market or, you know, they have a car, whatever, whatever actually has equity in it. Mm -hmm. If all of that is held in digital form, and we are a consumer-driven economy, and they they know how to do perception management to get you to do what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. Then, if you spend your equity, it's kind of hard to point a finger. Yeah. Who interesting. So we have a question here from Chris. It says, "Does Lynette think they, in quotations, will turn off the internet with more their system collapses? The more their system collapses." Do you, th do you think of blackouts and, you know, like worst case scenarios can be baked into the cake if things happen to get out of hand? I do. And I also think that they'll control it. I think we just have to look to China to see what that looks like. So whether they turn it off or whether they turn off parts of it, um, I think that's a very real threat. And also, you know, the biggest uh, one of our consultants has a client that works in the energy industry, but in the uh, power plants. Mm -hmm. And he was telling him that the biggest problem are people not being there to man them. So even if they didn't turn it off, the chances of a brownout and blackouts mm -hmm. are actually quite real. And anybody going through this right now, as we've been transitioning from working from home, 
I can tell you, we've had some challenges here getting this system up and running uh, at a reasonable level because obviously, like everybody else, I'm working from my house now. Mm -hmm. So that's been a bit challenging for us to be perfectly honest with you. So we're already seeing issues around that. And yeah, I think it's going to get worse. Yeah, one of the one of the biggest things of, of people not being able to go actually go to work. We're hearing about the water plants now not being able to source the uh, the CO two for purification of the water and things like that. And they're talking about if pop uh, soda and, and beer go flat, people really going to protest. <laughs> and so yeah, like just the side effects of not being able to go out and produce will come back to haunt us. Now, do do you follow much about this whole supply chain aspect? And so when the economy's all closed down typical import and export no longer exist and there's only so much inventory on shelves of, of food and then we're going to actually we're going to get into metals and stuff like that you know pretty soon but what, what are your thoughts on the supply chain aspect you know is there anything that you're really concerned about majorly uh actually it's the food supply chain that i'm very concerned about mm -hmm. and what's happening with the farmers and the truckers mm -hmm. because how do we get our food you know so in both of those industries, they have different issues, but for truckers, it's how they are protected from getting sick and the coronavirus mm -hmm. for the food supply chain. And this is really the one, you know, my mantra is food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter. That's mm -hmm. my mantra. And, and I have to tell you, thank God that I've been, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a person of integrity. So mm -hmm. if I'm telling you to do something, it's because that's what I'm doing for myself. But I'm watching farmers destroy thousands and thousands of pounds of food, gallons and gallons and gallons of milk, because they were geared toward institutions like restaurants, not toward grocery stores at the same, and certainly those same avenues, restaurants, grocery stores that used to supply the food banks, they're not supplying the food banks, but the need for food at those food banks has absolutely exploded. And, and you know, I, I don't know the answer to this. So if somebody does, please share it with me, why they can't take those crops and let the government pay to transport them safely, give the truckers the tools that they need to be safe mm -hmm. and to take that food that's now getting thrown out, plowed under, just thrown down the drain and supply it to the food banks to help these people provide food for their families. Because frankly, when people get hungry and feel hopeless, that's when really bad stuff happens. Right. Right. And, and I would say that I would imagine that that's a part of the plan is to break down society to their to the to, the, to their knees of just complete desperation to where at that point they're we're all susceptible to whatever, because anything is suggested suggested will be taken as the solution, even if it means giving up a little bit of our freedom and everything else. So right. I think it's all a part of the plan, unfortunately. So I want to transition into, into, into metals, precious metals. And so yeah. um, you're ITM trading. And so I'm curious to find out how things are going there for you guys, because a lot of other metals companies are having issues with sourcing and they're two, three weeks, whatever off behind. And so, and so first question is, do you see a time coming up or, or possible where inventory may not be there for people to still be able to purchase 
metals like the way we have in the past? Well, first of all, the way we have in the past, that's already happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is not business as usual. Uh, we went through this to a degree in 2008 mm-hmm. and two or three weeks out would actually also be a gift. Uh, I don't know exactly what the delayed delivery is, uh, but I know that in 2008, it got so bad that we were three months out. Having said that, at least you were going to get your medals. Mm-hmm. So um, unlike many of our peers, we can still get gold and silver, but you're not going to get to choose, oh, I want a silver American Eagle or a gold Buffalo or a Canadian Maple Leaf because the mints have been closed down and they're either closed down for cleaning or now they're, they're putting out masks or what have you. We're not able to get any supply in from overseas, which we used to get a lot of. So I, this is my feeling on it. What I'm also seeing is the premiums go up because of course the spot gold and spot silver market is a contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not real physical. And so even when you see spot silver at 15 bucks an ounce, mm-hmm. well, if you, if you can buy it, you're probably going to pay a 50% premium on that. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, take it because those spot market do not reflect the true fundamental value of a physical ounce of gold and silver. And I also want people to know this, that gold and silver in any form is monetary at its base. So Aunt Bessie's silverware that's Mark Sterling is 92.5% pure. Mexican silver that's marked 825 is 92.5% pure. The ring that's marked 14 carat is 58% pure. So I think that they'll always be able to get something. I don't think you're going to get to choose anymore, but I think that what we'll see is the premiums will absolutely explode. And that's what we're already seeing. Um, I can tell you that on the collectible coins, which is what I personally buy Mm -hmm. because I think they have a level of protection from uh, overt government confiscation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those premiums, while they have risen, they haven't risen as much as the premiums on bullion. So that silver, we're going to pay 50% or, you know, if you can get your hands on American Eagles or something like that, those premiums have exploded, but they will because going into this mess, they were the lowest that I'd ever seen them. And I've been in this industry on some level since 1964. Mm -hmm. So, you know, huge, the biggest bargain that there is, and I'm sorry, that's my puppy. That's all good. She's Sound a big like- girl. She's part of my security. <laughs> Daisy, stop. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, not a problem at all. I'm glad my dog is barking. <laughs> if anybody hears that bark, uh-huh. there's like 150 pounds. They're not bothering me. I was going to say that sounds like a monster. It doesn't sound like a puppy. <laughs> no, no. Um, 
So she's so please forgive me on that. So um, while I do think that we're going to get be able to get some gold and silver, I mean, we always were able to even when others weren't because of our long relationships with our wholesalers. Mm -hmm. I think what you're going to get your hands on, you just take whatever you can get. And um, yeah, and the premiums are going to explode. Now I want to I want to share a little chart with you as well while I'm here. And so this is the gold to silver ratio. And yes. so give us a, so there's also a question out there in relation to this. Uh, I think it was something from low blood pressure says, uh, what is the fundamental fundamental value of gold and silver? And so I'm going to tie this in with the ratio aspect because it's once again, we're all time highs and all types of things, both good and bad. So give us give us your analysis on this, the valuations of, of silver in comparison to gold right now. Well, uh, I just recently recalculated everything. So on gold, the, the fundamental value was at 11,000. It was close to 11,500 when I just recently did that. Mm -hmm. And that would put silver at about 900. So I do in some on some levels believe that silver is more undervalued in terms of fiat mm -hmm. than gold is. However, I've also done studies which are out there um, maybe about a year or so ago mm -hmm. on that gold and silver ratio and how that behaves through hyperinflation. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that there will be a time where you, it'll track. And we will very likely see silver rise. And the reason why you've seen silver underperform gold during this period is because of its industrial use, which gold also has industrial use, but just not as much. So in the global slowdown, yeah, there's not going to be quite as much demand for a silver as there is for gold. Having said that, do I think it's going to go back to the 15 to 1 um, historic norm? Mm. Probably not. And what I discovered when I did that study, looking at both gold and silver through a number of times of hyperinflation, mm -hmm. is that gold always outperforms silver in terms of purchasing power because that's how they reset the system and the currency. They take that fiat money that has no value and they revalue it against gold money which is all value, mm -hmm. not all value because I say it, it's all value because like silver, both of them are used across every single area in the global economy. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not money because a government says it, it's money because it has always been valued as money and that's how they reset the currency and the system. Mm -hmm. So, right now or recently 11.5 but keep in mind that the more of this money printing that they're doing and more of this bailing out that they're doing mm -hmm. the higher that value goes and the only thing that we don't really know is what that cover ratio when they do that reset mm -hmm. what that cover ratio is going to be in other words how much of the money that's out there how much of the debt that's out there, how much of the derivatives that are out there, which yeah. is way bigger than the debt because derivatives are big leveraged bets, debt, point, upon debt, point, upon debt upon debt upon debt. 1.6 quadrillion or something. It was thrown out there and that's just what we're told. So <laughs> and, wow. and it's probably 
probably higher. It's yeah. probably much higher than that because so much of it is done off balance sheet and is hidden. But even in the reports that you read, when you're talking about leverage of at least a thousand to one, mm -hmm. and hey, let's look at those contracts that we're talking about, gold and silver contracts, yeah. because it costs $150 for a bank, not a central bank, that's $110. Mm -hmm. But like JP Morgan, costs them $150 to be able to control 500 ounces of gold, which I don't have the calculator and it's much higher now, but you know, we're above 1700 bucks. That's something like what? $900,000. Oh, wow. Something like that. So you yeah. got 150 bucks that controls 900,000. That's a lot of leverage. It and is. Silver is 5,000 <laughs> to what? 150 bucks controls 5,000 ounces of silver and a thousand barrels of oil. Now you mentioned uh, JP Morgan. And so someone in the chat here, Prabhara mentioned, uh, why is, why is JP Morgan holding so much silver according to what, you know, we know from on the surface, why are they holding so much silver? What, what, what true value do they see in holding the largest stockpile of silver in your opinion? Because number one, cause they have access to the physical, mm -hmm. not the paper. And I'm pretty sure that those guys are, over there are pretty smart and know everything that I did. And, you know, if you look at what the central bankers are doing by holding all that physical gold mm -hmm. and they've been consuming like 20% of the production since uh, annual production since 2008 or so, they now have the largest stockpile that since they started tracking it. And there's a reason why JP Morgan is going to hold physical silver and central banks are going to hold physical gold. And that's simply this, whoever holds purchasing power on the other side of this mess holds power. And that's true for the individual as well. Yeah. Open up to opportunity because mm -hmm. if we look at what's happening, well, let's take commercial real estate, for example. You know, there's going to be a lot of commercial real estate that's going to come on these markets because it was purchased with leveraged mm -hmm. leverage and then securitized. Well, if if companies aren't paying their rents, if they're going out of business, we work. I mean, that was always a bad idea, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That was just an accident waiting to happen. So what do you think is going to happen to commercial real estate in Japan, which is what I think it's going to look like? Mm -hmm. In the early 90s, when that real estate bubble burst, commercial real estate dropped 95%. So now you have commercial real estate going down. And in the reset, you have in terms of fiat, you've got gold going up. Mm -hmm. When we see a bottom and we see that accumulation pattern that can indicate that we are somewhere near a bottom, mm -hmm. take some of your gains here and you convert it into income producing real estate. It's gonna get very, very cheap. Now watch this. So that's been a typical method based upon history. Now, because we're experiencing something completely new, this is a modern modern day age global reset happening. Do you think it will be as simple as that? Because we're using history and what has happened before. Do you think it will be as easy as that or roughly as easy as that being pushed into a digital economy? Well, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. as you pointed out before, what if we have blackouts and brownouts and mm -hmm. everything that you, the individual is holding is inside the system? 
and you have no access to it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, this is still dynastic wealth is wealth that has lasted in families for at least 300 years. And it has three legs, basically mm -hmm. real estate, real, uh, rare collectibles and gold money. And you could actually do all three with gold because you can have a gold mine. You can have a, a very rare gold coin and you can have just regular gold. So there's a reason why that has survived regime shifts. And even though this seems different, it's not different. It's never different. Mm -hmm. Everybody always says this time is different. And somehow magically it never is yeah. because what is the value of that piece of real estate? Like say, I don't know, um, the Senate where your Senate meets in your community, mm -hmm. the government needs a place to meet. And they have a tendency, and we've already seen this happening because the system really died in 2008. Mm -hmm. But, you know, look at Illinois. They're going to be forced, and they have already started doing this, of selling off their income-producing assets like parking lots and things like that that generate income. Mm -hmm. And then they lease these things back. So you have to be strategic I don't know that I'd run out and want to buy a mall at this moment right. because obviously more shopping is going online uh, and Macy's, Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom's, JCPenney, Sears is already gone. I mean, the big retailers, I mean, the clothing dropped off a cliff last month. Yeah. So, you know, I think you need to be strategic but we're still we're still physical. Yeah. I can I can feel this, right? Yeah. This is physical. If I didn't have a desk here and I just had it in my in digital form, I, I wouldn't be able to put my glass on it. Yeah. So yes, I, I don't think this time is different. I think the system is new and is morphing into something new, and that it is critical that enough people don't get so scared that they just accept whatever the guys that got us into this mess and has have proven over and over and over and over again, who is too big to fail? Who's going to be succeeding in this? We need to be able to succeed in this. And that's really what makes gold and silver so critical. Whew. Well, Lynette Zhang, uh, as always, you, you leave you, you leave it all out there, and I appreciate you for doing such. And so uh, for those that might perhaps just be coming across you for the first time, uh, can you point them back in your direction? You have a great YouTube channel. You do a lot of educational stuff. Point them back to your direction. Yeah. How can they get some weight? Because one of my models here is, you know, the Federal Reserve note will be your biggest liability, biggest financial liability. And then my mantra is get your weight up. And so I tell people to get physical while you can. And so you can help people do that. So can you point it back in your direction for me? Absolutely. Um, you know, we are all working really hard. ITMtrading.com. We actually love physical contact because what makes us, aside from the fact that we can actually get physical gold and silver still, um, what makes us different is that I actually developed, I've been studying currency since 1987 and I developed a strategy based upon those repeatable patterns. Mm -hmm. So it's not rocket science. It's actually pretty darn simple. 
And what makes us different is, is we've integrated that into everything that we do and we help clients create a, and execute a plan. Mm -hmm. So it isn't just throwing you into gold and silver and saying, okay, now you got to figure out what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. This is a long-term commitment by us to the clients, putting the client's best interest first, which is exactly why everything that I do on our YouTube channel. So it's, if you go into YouTube, you can either put my name in Lynette Zhang, or you could put ITM trading and you'll see there's a huge library um, of work because we love educated clients. Mm -hmm. We love them. So that's what we attempt to do. And uh, as we're also executing the strategy, you don't have to do something because I say it. Mm -hmm. You'll find that I always give you the backup. This is why I'm saying what I'm saying. And this is my opinion based upon all of the data that I've gathered. Hey, if you have a different opinion, we encourage due diligence. Mm -hmm. We encourage holding everybody's toes to the fire. And we do love that human contact. So you can call us at 888-696-4653. And I'm sure that you will find that any of the consultants that you get are really as knowledgeable as I am. And if you're working with them, you're working with me and we all, you know, we still meet regularly via Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we, we're a very tight knit group and we, we really care. We wanna help people through this. And personally, you know, I want to give people a choice and a voice because that's the only way that we're not going to end up with something even worse than what we have right now. And, you know, this had to be scary enough for people to accept, just save me, Mr. Bill, you know, and yeah. that's not okay with me. Yeah, I want to acknowledge the super chat here. Uh, uh, Matthew says, Lynette Zhang is the best cur curious financial analyst I've seen. Love RTD and their silver coins. Well, thank you, my friend. Appreciate that. And so I, I attempt to help people out myself. So I have a little RTD coin and things like that. And so, yeah, trying to encourage people to uh, take advantage of this opportunity now, because as you've mentioned, and this might be the last time we can get our hands on physical at this price. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> so it's only going to go up in nominal terms from here. So, um, but Lynette, it's been great having you on the show. Definitely would love to do this again in the near future sometime. And uh, other than that, be blessed, be safe out in your neck of the woods. And so here in Detroit, it's still cold. So I'm, I'm literally stuck in, in, but I think in your area, you still can go outside and get some fresh air and, and some oh warm my God. water. <laughs> yeah, it's actually spring here. My gardens are in bloom. Uh, yeah. You know, I, mean, I converted my entire property and mm -hmm. I am so grateful that I did it into food producing gardens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, through this, I, I'm eating wonderfully. And I'm also, I've been able to share with a lot of people, which yeah. is what community is all about. That's what you're doing. Right. You know, that's what we do. We share. Right. Well, okay. Well, everybody's been great hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this, don't be afraid to donate a thumbs up, share this video so your family and friends can find out different perspectives as to what's going on. Because once again, I, I like to pride myself in not reading off a teleprompter. And Annette, you do the same thing. You speak from the heart to help people. So uh, this is information people should hear. So other than that, be blessed, be safe. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Thank you.